1: Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast, along with Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. I'm going to have to wipe away a tear, Aaron, it's our last college podcast of the year. I'm sure we'll do a crazy college summer league top 10 podcast extravaganza, which will be very exciting. I'm actually uh, hoping to 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 do fewer summer college top 10s this year, if you can believe that. I know they're just so much fun, I know you can't imagine me wanting to do fewer of them.
0: I can't. I can't believe
1: that. Uh, I've already missed the Midnight Sun game. One year, one day, I'm going to fly straight from Omaha to Alaska to go to the Midnight Sun game. That's already happened. Uh, I love the fact that in Alaska this year, one, uh, one team decided to have their own solstice game, as they called it. So the idea is finally spreading after 103 years in Alaska. <laughs> someone else decides to copy the great idea, <laughs> play the game at 1030. I just think it's hilarious. Uh, Rackham up in up in Alaska, but we're not here to talk about the future. I actually, and we're here to talk about the past and the future, the 2009 college baseball season, and we'll look ahead at 2010. And let's let's actually tackle an issue first before we look back at LSU's national championship. I, we haven't talked about this. So I'm going to spring this on you, but the average game time in Omaha, three hours and forty minutes. Aaron, what can be done if 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 you and I staged a coup d'état and shoved Denny Pope out the window, figuratively, and took over as directors of baseball operations for the NCAA, what would we do? uh, First, if you shoved them and you took over first, what would you do to try to shave an hour off of that time of game? Because three hours and 40
0: minutes, in my mind, is literally an hour too long. Listen, it starts, John, it starts with ESPN – I'm telling you, the games in Omaha are a lot longer than the regular season games, uh, and that's because you got to wait three and a half minutes between half innings. Is it two and a half or three and a half? Three and a half. Kurt, Kenny and, and I, I timed half.
1: it. I mean, you got
0: players just standing around out there, John. I mean, you know, pitchers are, are, are getting restless. They're they're jogging around the mound. They're they're throwing to the third baseman because Oral Hershiser's got to finish telling us how to throw a curveball. I yeah, mean, that's, it's, that's a joke. It's not just commercials that they make you wait for. It. It's 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 the little segments that yeah. they do. I mean, it, you know, ESPN, I understand you want to make the game more appealing to the casual fan. That stuff is good. But, you know, the best way to make it more appealing is to not make the games last four hours apiece. I agree. I agree completely. I think ESPN con-
1: chronically undersells the biggest uh, attraction about the college series. The schools, people like the brand name. You've heard this spiel a million times. You don't have to work hard to sell Texas and LSU. You just don't. There are a lot of people who like Texas. There are a lot of people who like LSU. There are a lot of people who like North Carolina. You had big brand names out there. Arkansas is a very strong brand name in college athletics. Yeah. I mean, they've got freaking uh, luxury suites pole-to-pole at their ballpark. You don't have to work that hard to sell it. i I think if you, uh, it it's disappointing because I think I think ESPN has covered college baseball for twenty some years for most of its thirty years in existence. You'd think they'd have a little bit better feel, but I, I gotta think three hours and forty minutes. That that's that's one of the worst things that happen in college baseball in years. I mean that's yeah. a I didn't know that until yesterday. That's a devastating figure. That's really that's that's devastating. I think for the for the sport of college baseball. That's hard to come back from. That's hard to combat. I got, and I'll tell you, coming back from Omaha and trying to watch the games on TV, it was a chore. Now it gets harder for me every year because I really, I'm a, clearly a frustrated, wish I was a broadcaster. I mean, duh. I <laughs> do these podcasts every freaking day. I mean, uh, if I could, I love talking about college baseball. And when I'm sitting there watching the game, I talk back to the to the TV because I just get so frustrated by the level of ignorance and I of the broadcasters. And I nothing but
0: complaints about the about the broadcasters. I've never I heard hard, so many emails and blog comments about how bad the announcers were.
1: Let's just you know, let's just advocate right now. Let's get Kyle Peterson up in the booth. Kyle needs to be in the booth. He loves college baseball. He knows the game. He follows it. He knows who to talk to. The coaches respect him. I mean, uh, how hard is it to have Kyle put Kyle Peterson in the booth you need You need Sean McDonough and Kyle Peterson doing the finals, and let 's be honest, they miss Harold Reynolds they miss Harold Reynolds in the booth. Harold liked being there and actually remembered from year to year things that happened he didn 't know much about the teams on the field he would get to know the players uh and he did remember well last year this thing happened, and you know i everything wasn't about well in pro ball it 's done like this, you know and that that condescension really bothers college baseball fans. So I, I, th- I really think I think the time of game is a huge issue. I think you're going to have a pitch clock. How likely is a pitch clock in college baseball in the next three years? I think you're going to see
0: it in the next three years. I, I really do. 70%, 80% likelihood, more than that? It might be, I, mean, I think about 70%. I mean, it's not a done deal, right. but there certainly, certainly seems to be a lot of momentum uh, going that way. I really think that's a way that college baseball can distinguish itself from pro ball, make
1: the hitters, keep a foot in the box, Make the pitchers, you can't leave the mound. Uh, if you can, I guess you can, maybe you can in a limited amount of times. And I would love to see college baseball and all amateur baseball put in some kind of rules to limit the amount of time uh, you can visit the mound, limit the time of mound visits, those kind of things. Uh, I don't mind that you have a couple of offensive timeouts. You know when Kevin Keys swings at a ball in his head and Auggie calls timeout <laughs> and comes out and says, come on, you're better than that. Here's here's this here's a book to read on the bus on the way home. But come on, you're better than that. Don't swing at that stuff. Um, you know, I think that that can. You know, I think that you can still have those elements because these are amateur players. They do need more coaching, right? But I think time of game is a huge issue for college baseball, and uh, I think it has been in the past. But three hours and forty minutes just really hammered that point home. That is unbelievable. <laughs> like, so there's no coming back from that. That's there's nothing. There's no positive spin to that. Uh, otherwise, I think it did make it. Kind of a rough College World Series to watch. The finals were better, though. You did have some drama in the finals. You had a close first game, a very competitive. But you know, in the short, uh, in the in the short, uh, while on the ballot, uh, the top three games of best games of this series. Game one of the finals had to be on there. No question. Um, that was a great game. Taylor Youngman's performance the next day
0: was, was a best, great performance. That's probably the best
1: individual performance of this College World Series, John, don't you think? I think it was up there. I mean, uh, I do think Alex White throwing nine innings against uh, sure, sure. Arizona State was pretty outstanding. You're right. And, and I thought that Dustin Ackley's five hits was pretty good against Southern, Southern, Southern Miss. Yeah. But I think for what was at stake, I think Taylor Youngman
0: goes to the front of that list. I think Taylor Youngman had a very strong case. I mean, even he would have been the mop. He would have been the mop. He in would have been the mop, certainly. And and he had a case, even with Texas losing, to go three and 5 o five seven ERA out there uh, and and throw a complete game against LSU. The only mark against him was the six balls, right? Uh, exactly. you know, relief appearance, exactly. Which you kind of
1: wonder, you know. That to me, that's kind of what it came down to, Aaron. I think LSU had a little bit more talent than Texas. I think Texas maybe yep. a little bit more. I think Kurt Kenney's word for it was resourceful. Texas a little more resourceful than either team there. They had more ways to beat you than other teams uh when they once they brought the power out in omaha right um I think that the undersold things about those teams uh, and maybe the things that were less uh noticed I think lsu's defense that's the biggest reason they won the national championship in my mind, they already had the talent, they had the coaching, they had all these other elements going into the year that's why we ranked them so highly their that that late season adjustment that mid, i guess midway through the season basically uh where they shifted their offense around and it really improved their de- – shifted their lineup around and really improved their defense. That seemed to be the thing that made them better than other teams. They had as good a lineup as anybody. They had as good a pitching as anybody. Other teams may have been deeper, that kind of stuff. But once they – they had, they didn't have a weakness once they developed a middle relief with Chad Jones, Berticini pitching well for them. Uh, uh, What's that, other freshman's name or other sophomore's name? I mean, is that Bradford? Bradshaw? Bradshaw. Uh, Once they had that pitching depth developed, the last piece of the puzzle seemed to be defense,
0: and they go 28 and 5. After that defensive shift, I think really that was the last piece for them that set them apart. They were such a complete team in every phase. I mean, and and I, I had to explain to people over and over again. You know, doing radio stuff out there, um, they're not just a bunch of mashers. They're, it wasn't a gorilla ball. This is not ball gorilla team. ball. I mean, this team, uh, they don't need the wind to be blowing out for them to win. Right. I mean, they can they they can wear out the gaps. They got a great athletic, versatile lineup one through nine. They got a lot of speed. Uh, they're just they're they're just a really good complete team. They got great pitching. I mean, they got great pitching. John. Yeah, they did. No, I mean, it's, did. it's it's because not only do you have two guys at the front and a great closer, but like Paul Menary said uh, repeatedly out there, their bullpen. You know had been underrated for the last half of the season. I mean, yeah. that bullpen came on strong. Chad Jones, of course, looked terrific uh, yeah. in that last game against Texas. What a he great really story that was. Um, he but looked good
1: earlier in the series as well. I mean, he was more he of did. a lefty specialist. Right. Only in that Texas game, really, did he face, I mean, that was, I think, his longest outing of the he year, was. five, five outs. Thirds, yeah. So, I mean, that, so that was his longest outing. But he got left-handers out when Palmineri asked him to get left-handers out. Yeah. And that's a thing. That was the difference. Texas kept asking Austin Wood to be closer and set-up man. I just think they asked too much of him. 41 appearances on the year, not to mention the one huge one everyone knows about. I don't think you can put it all on that outing. He led the nation in appearances, Aaron. He just was dog-tired
0: by the end by, in Omaha. I don't think Texas would have been where they were if not for Augie Garrido and his coaching and his motivational skills, I mean, he had the best we, we, meeting of all time. We we talked about that how 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 the team responded being down six runs to Arizona State with with six runs right after that dugout meeting. Unbelievable! I don't think you and I have ever seen anything like that. No, no. Uh, and and it happened again later on in in the, in the series where he had a meeting in the dugout and the, and the team responded. I forget the exact context, but it happened again. I mean, he, he's a great motivator. He's a great, he's coach. a great coach. There's yep, no question. No However he mismanaged his bullpen in the finals. I mean oh, I, a question. I, I, I just think that he butchered it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean he, he butchered it in game one. They should have won that game. They should have won and, that game. And he over tinkered.
1: Texas should win a game where it hits five home runs period. They just should win a game when
0: when they when they do that. He he I think I think first of all he should have at least Ask Chance Ruffin, how do you feel? Are these cramps an issue? Uh, he thrown 87 pitches. He struck out 10 guys, allowed one run. He was cruising along in that first game. His stuff was still quite good. Didn't he, he strike he, out he the last out guy? He struck out the last guy Mikey Matuk. I mean, uh, you know, instead he goes to Austin Wood there and against the lefty, playing the matchups, and Jared Mitchell hits a, a two-run triple, a, a turning point in that game. Absolutely a turning point in that game. And I'm not
1: trying to dog on Austin Wood, but I mean, like, where is Keith Shinneberry in that position? Why, If he's on your roster... Why don't you use them? I and mean, we just see this happen so often in Omaha where teams get away from what yeah. got them there, especially on the mound, where you rush a closer in where a setup man would do. And LSU did not do that. That's and right. you start a guy on three days rest or two days rest where you don't normally do that. And, right. you know, every once in a while that does work. And it's a great story. But usually. It doesn't, it didn't work for any. The only team that it worked for consistently in the postseason was Texas, and even for them, it ran out. LSU, the only time they brought anyone back really on short rest or overextended a guy, there were two times. Matty Yott, three innings in the first game of the finals, right. and Anthony Ronaldo on four days rest in the, in the finals.
0: Of the, but even four days rest is not an egregious. No, certainly. Uh, and, 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 and he, you know, Palmineri, give him a ton of credit, a ton of credit Absolutely. For, for resisting, you know, maybe the, maybe the temptation to bring back Ronaldo on th- Three days rest in game two. Correct. It was absolutely the right call, and, and I love the fact that, um, you know, he kind of he kind of mentioned his father's experience is one of the reasons for that. His father in 1971, Demi Maneri, the coach down at Miami Dade North, um, was in the national championship in a very similar situation, yeah. and brought his ace back on three days rest to pitch the second game, and lost two to one, and it was demoralizing, and they were just you know rolled the next day. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's I just thought that was interesting that Maneri kind he of was thought use, about that. He was going
1: to use. More than likely, you either here's here's the choice he had: either I'm going to have my ace for the most important game of the year in Game Three, or I lose Game Two with my ace on the mound, and then I'm exactly. going to have to go, uh, you know, Chad OJ C O Holstaff, Chad OJ being my, my representative <laughs> of uh, of uh, LSU pitching all the nice. time. Uh, you don't. No one wants to go C.O. whole staff in the most important game of the year. So give your ace a little more rest. And obviously, it worked out. I mean, hey, and guess what? If you'd lost to Taylor Youngman shoving it uh, with with Anthony Renato on the mound, boy, yeah. you would have really, really been kicking yourself. Right. It would have been the exactly. exact same situation exactly. that his dad encountered. And, so, and
0: you know, I got to
1: say, John. I mean, Palmeire is our coach of the year, by the way. That's online at baseballamerica.com. Was
0: it me it online today or? Ah, uh, who cares? Whatever. It's online now. It'll it'll be online soon. <laughs> Palmeire, congratulations. That's right. Um. I, th- I almost felt like Augie went out of his way sometimes to bring guys back on short rest unnecessarily. I mean, it, just, it really struck me. Why would you throw Chance Ruffin in Game 3, an 11-4 to game, when he had thrown you know, 87 pitches two days earlier? If any team You're, has what, depth— What's the point of that? If any
1: team has depth, it's Texas. Kids go to Texas for less financial money, for less scholarship money, because they want to go to Texas period. It's the way it is. They have more depth than basically any team. The only teams that are in the ballpark with them are teams like LSU, like Georgia, and schools that have lottery money and that kind of thing. I mean, it's the bottom line. Texas has zero excuse for not having depth. They have it. They chose not to use it. In that way, it was good in my mind for college baseball that LSU won because... You it's better because you, you can't have Pro Scouts constantly bang on college baseball. And another program that did it and deserves kudos, North Carolina did not bring Alex White back on three days rest. Absolutely. They lost to Arizona State, which did bring its pitchers back constantly Ugh. on short rest. And, I mean, sooner or later, there, to win the College World Series, Seth Blair and Jason we were going to have to play, pitch well for Arizona State. Get now, started well, on that one. It might not have happened if – Mike Lee could been able to hold a 6-0 lead against Texas, but he didn't. And I give huge kudos to Spence and Leak for pitching well on short rest. Doesn't mean it was the right move. And from that, in that context, it's better for college baseball that the teams that flogged their pitchers and that kept bringing them back on short rest didn't win. And a team that handled its pitchers, in my opinion, in a more responsible manner, one. I lo- I, I, think I mean it's that's a great good for the point, sport. John. I love that, and one, that's nothing personal against Augie Garrido or Pat Murphy. No. And they know their players better than I do. Sure. But in the big picture, that stuff gets used against college baseball constantly uh, in the recruiting process with pro scouts. And so I'm glad the team that handled his pitchers
0: well. Won. And you know, just one more thought on Arizona State. To me, it made no sense to whatsoever back, yeah. to bring back Mike Leak on two days rest to win Friday when if you've got to win. Him twice. You've got to win Friday and Saturday. Correct. What. You haven't you haven't started Blair you haven't started Newman or Franz Blau I mean these are you only th- going to throw two guys in the entire World Series and these yet? aren't
1: the these aren't the only teams that have ever done it you know I, you know John Hudgens one of my all time favorite college players you know uh, Stanford brought him back on short rest in two thousand three for the second game of the CWS finals they lost the first game they should have held him back for the third game as a potential game. Yeah, they had to get there, but they had to win twice, and they brought John Hudgens back, and Hudgie Bear threw 350 pitches in 10 days, and shockingly, he got hurt in pro ball. I mean, these, there is cause and effect in these things. It's not crystal clear, but that's one where I think, you know, that hurt Stanford. I, I don't think there's a doubt about it that it hurt Stanford, so I'm going to get off my soapbox. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit real quick about 2010, 8 for Omaha's going up on BaseballAmerica.com as well, Aaron. Um, we, I think it's safe to say we both think there are going to be some repeat offenders, some recidivism going on in the 2010 Coddled Series. Yeah. Uh, I think we thought Virginia got to Omaha ahead yeah. of schedule. Yeah. I don't know that Texas got there ahead of schedule. But, boy, Texas uh, – Right now, if you had to pick a preseason number one for next year. See, if I had to pick a preseason number one for two twenty ten, I think I'd pick Fullerton. But it sounds like you would pick Texas.
0: I would go Texas, Virginia, Fullerton would probably be my top three teams. and, and Probably in that order for me.
1: Boy, Fullerton's 2-and-Q uh, in Omaha was uh, – they, 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 they deserved that. <laughs> they deserved to go 2-and-Q the way they played and the way they showed up out there, I think that's going to be a lesson actually for that coaching staff and for that team. Right? That's, that's, I think that 0-2 is going to be a huge motivating factor. They were pretty cocky for out team. there for, yeah.
0: for a team that went 0-2. I agree. I, I think 100% I'd be shocked if they're not back in Omaha next year uh, because they're one of those programs that that feeds off of – off of this kind of a disappointment. I mean, they will use it as motivation. They're, just, they're, just, they're really,
1: really well coached. Let's face it, Dave Serrano does a super job out there. No he's question. been a head coach for four years. He's taken two teams of the college series in four years. That's yeah. hard to do. Yeah. And uh, and he's not. And neither one's a football school. We, I mean, I clearly baseball's a, the identity at both those universities, really, at Irvine right. and at Fullerton, especially at Fullerton.
0: They're going to miss their, those seniors. The they're going to miss Garneau, the motors, I think. Garneau, Jared Clark, Joe Scott. Uh, but they've got so much back there. I mean, certainly, you know, explosive players with Gary Brown and Christian Colon. I um, mean, they'll miss Chris Davis. Another and guy that bringing, I assume they'll lose. They're bringing in a nice recruiting class there yeah. as well. And, and, so, and they've got their entire weekend rotation back. They've got quality two-way guys who I think you're going to see a lot more of both ways. in, Pill and Ramirez, in Nick yeah. Ramirez and Tyler Pill. I mean, it's they got a lot there. They're going to be very good. I agree.
1: Now, uh, one team that uh, was out there, I mean, like Arkansas. I think we both think has a has a shot. I think the one team that's almost mostly one team that is more uh, concerned, I guess, where the draft is gonna be a bigger factor and whether guys sign might be Florida. Do they get Matt Den Decker back? How many of their recruits get? in? they've already lost David Holmberg. They should get Patrick Schuster in, the four-no-hit kid. Uh, they're not going to get LeVon Washington in. Also, they're going to get Austin Maddox. I assume they're not getting
0: Borchering. Is he signed already?
1: Uh, he hasn't signed yet, but you know, they're not, they're not going to get Borchering. I think they are really dependent on their freshman class incoming and how many of those guys get in. Brian Johnson and Michael Heller on the mound. They could really right. use Heller as a right. a power right-handed arm. Uh,
0: but I, I like I like their their rising sophomore class quite a bit. I mean, the, I mean their rotation, with the exception of, of Stephen Locke, right. I mean, could be really good. Mirande... Uh, um, Pantaleotis, and, and Desclafani. That looks like a really and good don't rotation.
1: forget the return of Tommy Toledo.
0: Tommy Toledo. From Tommy, Tommy from John surgery. Not about Tommy Toledo. Uh, it was an unsigned third-round pick at a high school coming back from TJ. We'll see how point. that goes. I mean, they're, they're going to have some, some good bats with Preston Tucker, who got a, a, a Pedro mother. Alvarez comparison from, from somebody I talked to this year as far as, just as far as the impact of his bat. I mean, he's this guy sounds like the real deal, John. That boy good. Uh, I don't know if he's that good. Well, I mean, yeah, Pedro Alvarez was something else. But, boy, I, I think, I think, Tucker's Pedro, numbers aren't far off from Alvarez as a freshman. I mean,
1: Peter Alvarez is kind of like the Tiger Woods of college baseball there for a while. <laughs> Zinger. Uh, oh, sorry, that's Coach. A no offense to Coach Corbin there. We but, kid, we kid because we love.
0: But I mean, they've got Tucker. They've got Josh Adams coming back. I think Ben McMahon will be a, a guy who can step forward behind the plate. Hey-oh. He was a heralded recruit for them last year. He was. Uh, you know, I mean, they, they've got uh, some athletes in the outfield. I mean, they're going to be in in pretty good shape. I think. I think so.
1: I think the one, the only thing I saw in the uh, eight for Omaha that. I agree with all the team evaluation. I was, I, but I was typing in the eight teams we had for Omaha and the keywords in the backbush in the content management system, and I was really surprised when I thought three teams, three ACC teams in Omaha. Yeah, um, wait, three. Georgia, Where's the three? Georgia Tech, Florida State, in and Virginia. And Virginia. Right. Yeah. Um But I like. I think all. I think that all
0: three of those picks are sound. Georgia Tech's well, the real clearly, question. Well, clearly, John, that was because we're biased for the ACC. That's why <laughs> That's right. we've got three. Sorry.
1: I was really curious. I guess I think – I believe in Georgia Tech's talent. I really thought Georgia Tech obviously was going to go to Omaha this year. I thought they were better than Clemson anyway. Did you think they were obviously gifted? <laughs> uh, no, nah, not quite that. But I guess my, the real question will be to see, to me – uh, if Georgia Tech is, you know, usually they're better when they have underclassmen rather than a lot of juniors. Yeah. Will they succumb to draftitis? But I think Florida State's the most likely team, even counting Virginia, to get to Omaha.
0: Florida State just gets to <clears throat> Omaha. I mean, they, that's what they do there. Dad gum it. Well, they, they hadn't done an awful lot this decade until last year, but. No. But, you know, I mean, they, boy, that class, that sophomore class of Florida State, those guys are just great ball players. I mean, they're, the, they're really good Tyler players. Holt and Mike McGee and all those guys. I mean, those guys are, can really play the game. And then Stephen Cardullo didn't even get drafted last year. That's, that's, year. that's, so that's crazy.
1: They could get Scooter Jeanette to school. Looks like he's going to be one of their top uh, recruits. And there's a chance they might get Keeva Sampson. I don't really? think so. But he got drafted lower than – he didn't get drafted the first day of the draft. He was a fourth-round pick. I'm assuming as a fourth-round pick he had a pre-draft deal, you know, going in there. We'll see, but Scooter Jeanette's a big-time recruit for them. That's a guy that can slot right in in the middle infield with Cardulo. That's what they need. And he should be a great college baseball hitter. He should be a great college hitter. That guy's a magician with a with a metal bat. So, sure. Um, so we we'll obviously we'll probably actually we'll probably end up doing another show after August 16th, 17th, the yeah. the signing deadline. We'll have recruiting coverage, we'll have summer college uh coverage coming up. You're going to take a couple weeks off, well deserved. But uh we'll have Cape Cod League stuff, later this summer we'll have summer college top 10s. But until then, really, the college podcast is going to be shutter- shuttering its doors
0: for, for a couple months here. And so yeah. I've really enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it as it's, well. This it's point. been a lot of fun. Thanks to all of our listeners. We've gotten a lot of great feedback on the podcast this year and all the other coverage we've done. And, um, you know, that, that certainly is, is, is always nice to hear. We, we're, glad that, uh, we're glad you guys have enjoyed it. As, as, uh, we certainly have.
1: Absolutely. I mean, even, the, even the comments this year on the, on the college blog kind of blew up in the postseason, which was uh, shocking. And we I hope people also enjoyed the video. As usual, the college coverage here at Baseball America, a little out front. <laughs> uh, of the rest, Pulling the rest of the magazine, kicking and screaming along. That's right. Here at the college baseball corner of Baseball America. So we hope you enjoyed it. Obviously, I think uh, Aaron and I did. And we hope you enjoyed the podcast. So for Aaron Fit, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next time on the Baseball America College podcast. Until Con- then. Congratulations to LSU, your 2009 national champions. That's, that's a good way to end it. And I didn't even think about that. And to Paul Maneri for his first national championship. So for Aaron, I'm John. Until next time. So long, everybody.